Hi. Hi. I'm glad to be here. No, I don't. You know. You know something. I don't want an introduction. I, the Fred, the, the uh, rabbi who was my mentor, named Mark Loeb. He said. He said two things. He said, Alan. He says, um, if you're good, you don't need an introduction. <laughs> if you're bad, no introduction is going to help you. <laughs> so I've always. So I, I'm Alan Londy. I'm the rabbi of New Reform Temple. Happy to be here. And uh, that's enough of an introduction. You don't have to hear. I don't like introductions. Most of them are lies anyway. So, um, so um, I just have to, let me just test to see if what I'm doing here is going to work. Yeah, perfect. Okay, good. Okay, so um, I've had, I was supposed to be here a couple weeks ago, and for some reason I thought it was one night and it was the other night, and um, you still let me come at the end, so I, I appreciate it. Um, and it's, um, your church is, means a lot to our congregation especially meaningful when you were with us at the beginning of the horrible war um, in Israel and that your congregation has come with to us and you've been there at other times. Um, it means a lot to the Jewish community. So just being here just makes me happy. So thank you. Um, second interesting um, coincidence. I, I started my career in Baltimore, um, Baltimore, Maryland, in God, um, 1983, okay, a long time ago, and, um, and this is just coming to mind now. I was asked by the local Episcopal church, I, in a situation like this, to give like a class on the history of Jewish liturgy. It was like five weeks where I talked, um, so... I, you only want me for one hour, but I'll still accept it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, so it's a, it's a really wonderful topic that you've asked me about this whole idea of music and, and liturgy. And I just want to say a couple of things, and then I want to give you some real, some real material to, to experience. Um, and the person who who's should be giving this presentation is my wife, um, Jane, who... Um, who knows a lot more about this? And I was preparing this. I was we were I was babysitting my our grandchildren with my wife in, in New York until this afternoon, and uh, so I was working on this presentation. And I said, "Stop looking over my shoulder." Um, I was because she was going to make me. She was making me nervous. I said, "You can't you can't be here because you'll 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 indicate how much how little I really know." So music um, is a rather interesting, complicated idea in relating to worship. Um, we have 3,500-year-old 3, tradition. And as you know, Jewish tradition is not one tradition, it's many traditions. And one of the things that people get really confused about is, is trying to understand um, what kind of Judaism are people experiencing. The Judaism that we practice, that I'm the rabbi of, is a Judaism that is about 2,000 years old. It's a post-biblical Judaism. The Judaism that is practiced, that, that, that I'm part of, um, a rabbinic Judaism, is a Judaism that arose after the destruction of the Second Temple in the year 70. And after the Temple was destroyed, 
so many of the traditions that make Judaism what it is today, especially synagogues and worship, these are all very new realities because when you look into um, Jewish scriptures, um, nothing. There's, there's, no, there's, there, there's nothing about synagogues, there's nothing about, everything we do Jewishly is post-biblical and that gets confusing to people. That's number one. Number two is, um, I'm used to, you know, have, have, have any of you gotten your genetic testing, 20, you know, one of these things? Um, I did. I was told I shouldn't have done it, but I did it. Um, so now that somebody has my DNA is going to do weird things with it. Um, and it. Interestingly, I would warn you against it because by doing it, I found out that I had a first cousin that I wasn't supposed to have. What, seriously. Um, which is another topic, but one of the things that it, 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 but one of the things that it indicated was that that my family, my my DNA, come is a hundred percent Eastern European. My, my my family is totally from Eastern Europe, from Poland and um, Russia and Lithuania. That's my family. Uh, the original test said ninety nine percent this plus one English, and then they sent the connection, uh, correction, 100% Eastern European, which is fine. But one of the things, and one of the things that we, we feel, and even the Jewish community feels, is that everything we do is this Eastern European Judaism. And one of the things that I'm going to show you this evening is, is that Eastern European um, is not the only Jewish experience. I mean, there's three major Jewish experiences that come together. There is the Eastern European tradition called the Ashkenazim. There is a Sephardic tradition that represents um, Spanish, Portuguese, French tradition. And then there's also the Eidot HaMizrach, which is the Iranian, Iraqi, Saudi Arabian, Yemenite tradition. And each of those Judaisms are completely different. They're, they're different in sound. Ethnically, people have different colored skins. I mean, we, the, the, Jewish, the Jewish experience is so much broader than this Eastern European Judaism. You, if I told this to my congregation, they wouldn't believe me. No, but seriously, because there, there, there isn't a, we are so European-centric in our understanding of, of Judaism that it's a total distortion of Judaism. Because the reality is, you go to Israel today, the majority of the people are not from Eastern European origin, they're from Iraq and Iran and Yemen and, and Lebanese and, and whatever. And, and that tradition is totally different. So you, you're gonna need to understand th that as well. So, but let's start from, let's start from the, very, the very beginning. Um, when Ezra um, in, um, um, brought the Jewish people back from Babylonian exile, um, one of the things that we know and what scholars tell us is that some form of the Torah, the five books of the Moses, the scroll of the Torah, was brought back. That's, what science, that's the, the belief. And one of the things we know when we, when we, when we study the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and also book, in the, in the books of Chronicles is that Ezra would publicly bring the, bring the Jewish community together and he'd read from the Torah on Mondays and Thursdays to the community to share the law. And, but the one thing that we do know is that it wasn't just read, it was chanted. And along, 
And along the way, those chants became fixed. And by 1,500 years ago, what we had in the Torah, I'll show you in a minute, in the Torah scroll, not only the Hebrew, but you have what's called the Ta'amim, these cantillations. So when the Torah is read, it's read according to a certain cantillation. And since I was trained in a, in a, in a kind of Eastern European, Central European tradition, I chant in a certain way. Let me, let me share this with you, okay? This is the first introduction to, I'm not a good example of music, okay? <laughs> but, I know, but I know what I'm doing here, okay? Let's do something. You want to hear the story of creation? Yes, sure. <laughs> I'm gonna start from the very beginning here. Okay, so, okay, so, um, so when you're studying, I don't want to get into all the details, but, but if, if you look, uh, you can, after class, on the, on the left-hand side is what, what it looks like in the Torah. There's, n there's, no, there's nothing there but the letters. But on the right-hand side, there are, there, there's vocalizations, and there are little notes there that if you know the notes, you know the chant. And so what you have to do is you have to memorize the chant before you read from the Torah. You can't read. You have to know it before you do it, okay? So let's, let's create the world. I feel powerful. <laughs> okay, okay, let me see. Amen, Breshit bara Elohim, et ha-shemayim v'yeta aretz, v'ha-aretz, ha-yta tohu v'avohu, v'choshek al-panei tohom, v'ruach Elohim, erachefet al-panei ha-mayim. So basically in the beginning, it's not in the beginning. In the beginning, that God created the heaven and the earth, blah, blah, blah. Let's keep going. Vayomer Elohim, I hear. Vayahi, okay. Vayomer Elohim, or Vayahi, or Vayar Elohim, et or Kitov, Vyavdeel Elohim, ben or Uben Hoshech, Vikra Elohim, la or Yom, la Hoshech Kara, Lila, Vayahi Erev Vivokir, Yom Echad. I just, we just chanted the first, the first day of creation. Now, when we read it, in the, so what happens is, is that um, in the Jewish tradition, you, the Torah is, the five books of Moses are read on a yearly cycle, starting after the high holidays. And so there are, each week there's an installment, and that installment is, um, there's like 54 installments, because someday, sometimes the, 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 there, there is, there's a bunching up of them. Um, and, uh, but it's done in the traditional chant. Now in the Reformed tradition, um, the most liberal tradition years ago, they did away with the chanting for some stupid reason, I have no idea. Um, but you get a feeling when you're, when, now if, if, if I was a Yemenite Jew, it would sound incredibly Near Eastern. But let me give you another example. On the high holidays, um, there's a different chant. Let me get you, let's see. On high holidays, we read on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, the, the first day of the new year, we read um, the Binding of Isaac, okay? Which is an important text for us. Let me read the Binding of Isaac for you. Um, just the beginning. Okay. Adonai, Bayhi, Achadarim, Vaha Elohim Nisa et Avraham, Vayomer Elav Avraham, Vayomer Hineni. It's it's a it's a it's a different chant with a certain amount of a different kind of gravity to it. 
So when you're hearing it in the synagogue, and you hear these things, when you're hearing this reading, you know something different is happening. It's a different feeling. And, and I'll, so I'll give you another example. Every Shabbat, we all, every Sabbath, we not only read um, um, a section from the Torah, we read a prophetic section. So let me read to you a prophetic section. It is a little different. It's the same cantillation, but a little different notes. And I'm, and I'm chanting it based on my Eastern European training. Um, I remember the Saturday afternoon when someone taught me how to chant. It's, a real, it's, really, it's really kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, okay, I gotta get in the right thing. Roni akara lo yalda pitzri rina yitzali lo achla kirabi b'neishomema mipne veula amar adonai. It's 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 that's the prophetic chant. Now I, it's it's it, so these different melodies tell you where you are. Now you have to remember, in the ancient world, people, we didn't have prayer books. Who had prayer books? I mean, prayer books, when was, when was the printing press created? I mean, I mean most synagogues, never, no one had prayer books, and most people didn't have, most people didn't have chumashim, Bibles to read from. So to hear these different sounds brought people to attention. And also, how the chant goes deals with the grammar and, punctu and, and punctuation of, the, of it. So the people who created the chant system were people who wanted, who wanted to give us a certain interpretation of what the text means, because as we know, when you study Hebrew, Hebrew text, there's no punctuation. Um, there are a lot of times when, when the words have only one, we don't know what the words mean. A lot of translation is just guessing. I mean, hopefully intelligent guessing based on knowledge of an ancient Near East and so on and so forth. Um, so that's the first introduction to Jewish music, the chant of the Torah. Any questions about that? It's really, no, I don't take questions. <laughs> yeah, why? You seem like a nice lady. Come on. Come on, I'll let you do it. I'll do it. I just was wondering if it's Hebrew if all the chants, everything is in Hebrew, yes. and it doesn't matter what country, yeah, which mean, of those oh, I, you three. Know something? I, I'm so glad, you, you, know, I'm so glad you, you said that. See, Hebrew is an interesting, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say like something really stupid. Hebrew is a really interesting language. It is, it is. But, but, but I'll tell you, you just said something so, I wish I could have gotten you to ask that question in my congregation. No, but I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, Hebrew, is the glue that keeps the Jewish people together. I mean, it, it, let's, um, I love speaking English, it's great. Um, I, have, um, I have three, my daughter lived in Israel for many years, she's an, she's an Israeli. Um, she just moved to the United States with her, with her husband who's an Israeli and her three Israeli, grand, my three Israeli grandchildren, she had, became a rabbi in, in New York. <clears throat> and, um, but, it, but to hear her, my grandchildren, whose native language is Hebrew, it's really very moving to me. Um, and it's so funny when I speak Hebrew to my, my, um, my granddaughter's eight years old, she comes back to me in English because she can't stand the way my Hebrew sounds. She said, says, because yeah, I, don't, I don't know how to roll my reish, the reish. She like, looks at me like, what planet are you? She said, you're a rabbi, I thought you knew Hebrew. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's, it's hysterical. Um, 
but Hebrew is, is what weaves the Jewish people together. So it's not just, but Hebrew was always the, the text of, of a prayer and the text and the language of study. Um, and wherever Jews lived, they, it, Hebrew was that, had that, um, was that glue that kept the people together. Interestingly enough, though, as you know, and those of you uh, who, who um, are aware of um, first century Christianity, um, the people in the first century spoke Aramaic. And um, obviously, I mean, Jesus must have spoken Aramaic. Right? And, uh, and the Jews of that time spoke Aramaic. So they're in the synagogue service in, um, like in Alexandria, um, where there was a strong Jewish community year, uh, hundreds of years ago, obviously, um, there was, the Hebrew was chanted, and then an Aramaic translation was read immediately after that. Isn't that interesting? But Hebrew always was the thing that wove people together. I mean, the miracle of modern, of modern Jewish life is, is that Hebrew went from being a sacred language to, be a, to being a secular language. I mean, I mean, they had to make up all kinds of words. There's a, there's a man named Eliezer ben Yehuda who basically created modern Hebrew because Hebrew was not a spoken language. The miracle of Israel is you have, Israel, you have little kids speaking Hebrew and buying lollipops in Hebrew and, and talking about computers and all kinds of things in Hebrew. It's, 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 it's literally a resurrection of a language. But, the, but Hebrew is, is everything in, in, in Jewish life problem that we face is, is that in the liberal movements, especially the movement that I'm part of, for many years they had an allergy to Hebrew. They, 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 they said, well, we're Americans and we, we, we don't want to pray in a language we don't understand and blah, 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 blah. Okay, but you lose a lot in translation. Not, not just the comprehension, but the feeling. You know, it, um, I love the service that we do in our congregation, but it, but there's part of it I love and there's part of it I resent because I think sometimes you don't, we don't have enough Hebrew because Hebrew is, that's what makes it real. And I, I have to say something. I think sometimes it's worth chanting Hebrew if you don't understand what it means because the feeling matters. Okay? Okay, so, done. I, I just warmed up in 20 minutes. I'm almost done yet. Okay, okay, okay. So, 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 so let's, let's move on. Um, what I want to do is do a couple of things. The main service that I want to um, focus in on is the evening service of Shabbat. Okay? First of all, that's where most of my people are there. Um, and we'll get a taste of some of the musical cr traditions here. Now, one of the, the most beautiful um, um, prayers that we say on Friday night, um, and it's really, it's a prayer that's, um, it's, it's really before the service, really, but we, but I would say that it's, it's, it is the service now, but it really technically is, be, is before the service, is the prayer, um, Shalom Aleichem, which is, um, a prayer about, um, bringing peace, um, and, um, and the angel of peace comes and brings peace, okay? It, it, so 
and so, so the I'm going to chant for you. Um, I'm going to play for you some of the different renditions of, sh of Shalom Aleichem, and you'll immediately know what I'm trying to get at, okay? Um, I'm going to first um, utilize um, one of the most interesting um, composers in, in, 19, in 19th century Germany. Um, his name was um, Lewandowski. He was um, um, Louis Lewandowski. He was a brilliant um, composer. Um, he lived from 1821 to 1894. He was originally um, um, po a Polish Jew, but he came to, in, in Berlin, he created a new synagogue, um, and he really revolutionized um, the music of, of the synagogue. And so I'm going to play for you um, a beautiful piece that would be found in a, um, a German 19th century synagogue worship, and we would do it in our congregation as well, okay? And um, I think you're going to like this. And then the contrast I'm going to show you is I think you're going to find extremely interesting. Lisa, if, if you don't, don't tell me. <laughs> I don't want any negativity. Okay, let me see here. Let's see this. Come on, Lewandowski, don't disappoint me. Now this is um, this is the male Moscow choir. It's some kind of Jewish group in, in Moscow. I don't know when this was when this was recorded, but listen to this. Um, it's really quite striking. Now you have to remember one thing. Until the 19th century, there was no instrumental music in, in synagogues. Um, and one of the reasons, because of the Chorban, it was in memory of the fact that the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. So we were to be, to a certain extent, in an extended period of mourning. Um, and so instrument, now we know in the, in, in the, temple, in in the temple in Jerusalem, the there, wa there, there was chanting, um, Psalm 150, which we'll look at in a minute, describes the instruments that were used. Um, but after destruction of the temple, um, instrumental music was forbidden, and especially on the Sabbath. So, um, and if you come to our congregation, we have instrumental music, which is, which is very much part of the Reformed tradition. But that didn't start until mid-19th century. So some of the settings I'm going to show you are going to sound, this happens to be an instrumental piece that would have been instrumental because Lewandowski was in this big synagogue with big choirs and whatever. But um, normally, um, Sabbath music didn't have any instrumentation. Okay, that's a big, let's, let's read, hear this. Lewandowski, can't get much better than this. Yeah, not, can't get better, we don't hear anything didn't die on me, did it? No. Come on. Don't disappoint me, Lewandowski. We'll get, we'll get it. Don't worry. Hmm. Why isn't it doing it? Hmm. Oh, I know why. Oh, 
Okay, let's go, let's go back. Now, this is high church Judaism. This is, serious, this is serious music. Now, now it's inter- a couple of things about this is that if you come to our congregation and it's, if you go to, a, say, a, an Orthodox synagogue with, with no, with no um, instrumentation, you're going to get that. Shalom. I, I, you get religion. You go to a preschool group of kids. They'll know this. Shalom Aleichem Aleichem Laachim. You know, they, it will... It's very, it's, it's Lewandowski, but it's something that the folk can, can grab onto. I mean, it, that, if, when you hear that and you have had any experience um, with um, the Jewish, if you've had any connection to the Jewish experience, you'll know this. On Friday night when we're sitting before, on the, before the Shabbat meal, we, we come together and we sing together Shalom Aleichem. But it's so interesting, Lewandowski, this 19th century brilliant, German composer who wanted to turn Jewish music into something very, something very European and very elaborate and very beautiful. It's come down to who we are. Now, let me give you something that's so different, okay? Oh, yeah. Now we're going to go from Berlin to Yemen or Morocco, okay? Totally different. And what I want you to come away with is the music tradition of the Jews is much more complicated than even the Jews know. I don't see any of my members sitting here. They wouldn't sit for this. No, no, no. But it, it, this is a very interesting group. This, this is Moshav. This is a, an Israeli group. What, what, what's so interesting in Israel is these modern... These modern... Um, Know, composers like rock people, they take Jewish liturgy, and Jewish liturgy is played on the radios. As I, I'm, I'm taking my, my kids to my my um, my two of my grandchildren are, go to a Jewish day school in um, in Westchester County, New York, a very fine day school. So we driving them to we drive them to school, and they're both Israelis. They they've only been here for six months. So they have a playlist of Israeli songs they want to hear. But one of them is a song from this, I don't know who it is. It's a song that you'd sing after the end of Shabbat. And they're singing it, and they're listening to it and singing it like it's a rock song. It, 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 it's just, things like that interest me. You know, okay, let's, let, let's you're going to hear something different. You ready? Do with this. 
mean, I love this. We sing in it. We do. Now you hear, they've made it into some kind of setting for radio. Now who would believe? See, I, I'm going to go home now. You, you got a sense of, of what this is. The complexity of, the, of these two incredibly different cultures. And let me, let me, just, let me just say this. I don't want to get into politics, but why not? If you, if, if you want to understand, we'll, 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 and we'll stay out of the horrible war that's going on in Israel, um, so much of Israel is about this conflict, and I say conflict, between these cultures. Of a, of a, of a, of a Yem, and we're, and we're not even talking about religion, we're talking about culture. The, 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 the Jews who came out of um, the, 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 um, it, the Eastern, the Iraqi, Iranian um, traditions. Um, I know it's not the right term anymore. It's considered almost, but, but it used to be called the Oriental tradition, the Eastern tradition, the Yemenite tradition. Those were the, those, that sound and those people connect in Israel with Eastern Europeans. And there's a lot of prejudice, a lot of racism, a lot of dis disconnect. It's, it, it, it's this cultural thing, but, but in musically, what I think is beautiful is, and that's why I'm hopeful, is that in my congregation, we do Shalom Aleichem, we also do that Shalom Aleichem. I brought that in like six, about a year ago. Because it, it says that the Jewish experience musically is, it, it, it transcends cultures. We are multicultural people. I think, that, I think that's one of the challenges of being an American today. We can't live with our multiculturalism. I mean, we Jews are struggling with it. Because I would say, some people would say, Robert, what kind of music is that? <laughs> Jewish music? The majority of Jews who live in Israel are not Eastern European. They're from, they're, they're from Morocco and Iran. No one says that. Okay, I'm going to give you another one. Um, can I give you another one? Oh, I'm going to give you a real interesting one. This, this is, the Hasidim are a subgroup within Orthodoxy. <clears throat> and they were created, um, the origin is the Baal Shem Tov, who was a kind of charismatic um, rabbi who rebelled against the over-cerebral interpretation of Judaism, okay? There was a, there was a, a, a famous rabbi named the Vilden Gaon, who was a great rabbinic sage, and the Baal Shem Tov said, um, and not that he was dumb, not that he was simplistic, but he says, Judaism has to be more than study, it has to be about joy. So the Hasidic revolution was about that. So what happened is, different families of the Baal, different children of the Baal Shem Tov and followers of the Baal Shem Tov created different Hasidic dynasties. So there's one dynasty called the Belzer Hasid. And this guy um, is famous. His name is, um, how to do, Yo Yosha Moshe Kahan. This is his Hasidic inter um, experience of, sh of Shalom Aleichem. Again, this prayer that we say at the beginning of service, the prayer that we say around the Shabbat table, a fundamental prayer, a whole, a whole different musical tradition. Let me show you here. Yeah, I'm gonna, you're going to like this. Again, don't tell me you're going to like it. <laughs> 
I've learned in life you tell, you tell people what you want. Listen to this. Listen to how he, what he does with the language. Let's see if I can get a lot of it. Obviously, it wouldn't be this piano thing in a, in a, in a synagogue situation. Back to this person. It's in the, it's it's pretty amazing. It's it's incredible, isn't it? Okay, I made my point. Okay, enough of this, Alan. Okay, okay. So, I made my point. See. I, but I don't think there's I don't think there are many Yemenite Episcopalians, are there? You might need some, but I don't know. But you know, but see, I, I, when I was when I was in rabbinical school, again, I went to rabbinical school that was historically Eastern European. Okay, and the reason the, the rabbinical school was created, interestingly, was that the Jewish Theological Seminary where I went was a school that was created to train. English-speaking rabbis for the Eastern European Jews who are coming across, coming in the, to the United States in the early 20th century. Um, because, um, and it was funded by German Jews who had come a, a generation before. And this was the issue. The Eastern European Jews wanted more, were more traditional than the German Jews who came a generation before. So they wanted a school that would, uh, uh, would allow the rabbi to know the tradition, but be able to speak English and give s sermons in English. That's where I was trained. It, 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 it's, really, it's really weird. Um, so I'm, it, it's, it's, it's interesting when it, what I'm being, what you're asking me to do, it, it, it gets kind of almost, almost emotional for me. Um, but let's, let's, um, let's go to another one. Adon Alum is found at, um, is a hymn that is sung often um, at an end of, 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 a, of a service. And let me just get it for you so I can um, make sure that you know what, what we're doing here. Hold on one second. No. Okay, Adon Alum. Uh, 
So a Don alum is, is supposed to be a march. And at the end of the service, we, have, we, we, we often do this hymn. It's called um, Adon Alam Hashem Malach. It's you are the eternal God who reigned before any being had been created. When, you, when all was done according to your will, then you were called our ruler. It's really an affirmation of the, of the, of the sovereignty of God. Um, um, after all ceases to be, you alone will rule in the majesty. In other words, God is eternal regardless of the world. Um, and you are my God, my living redeemer, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so, so this is, Adon Alam is something you learn when you go to Hebrew school. It's, it's something real, it's a basic theme. And it's often, it's probably 99% of the time how you end a Shabbat morning service. Um, we sometimes do it in, on Friday night. Okay, so let's, let's go and listen to, <coughs> who do I have for you? Um, oh, I have one that's so good. I have one that's so good you're going you're gonna... to, oh, can I, let, let me just skip to something really good. Um, um, no, I'm not going to skip to that one. I'm going to skip, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to skip to it. It, it. But, you know, I get excited about it because I, just, I, I, I'm, I don't know what happens in your religious life here, so I'm sure everything is great and, and only, it's only crazy. It's only, it's only crazy. But, 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 but the problem is, and you probably, so Episcopalians, are you, I'm being serious now. You, so you are religiously, um, when it comes to being progressive, liturgically, what would be your attitude? Make changes, don't make changes, go back to tradition. Make careful, no, perfect. Make careful changes. I mean, I, I, it, that is my philosophy. I mean, if it ain't broken, don't fix it, but, don't be, but, it's, but the tradition shouldn't be a straitjacket. I mean, I, that's how I look at it, but be very careful. I mean, that's how I look at it. Don't, uh, some of these young rabbis coming out, they scare the hell out of me. <laughs> because they don't get it. It's not, I mean, one of the things you learn when you go into a, a, a church or synagogue, I don't care what religion, is a congregation has traditions. And if you can't learn to honor those traditions before you change them, you don't belong there. You won't last there. You won't last there. But for, <laughs> no, because, but, but a lot of these, I, 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 I sound like, I, I, I still think I'm a teenager and I'm 67. I don't, I don't get it. No, I, but I, I think there's sometimes, but sometimes they're not smart. If you, you have to have a, a sense of reverence. For, for tradition. Um, so let's, let me play you the Adon alum that is um, pretty common. You'd hear it in our synagogue, maybe. Yeah, this is, I grew up on this. This is beautiful. This is what I grew up on. For a lot of Jews, that's the, to that's the melody of, of, of Adon alum. Right? Beautiful. Now, they, you hear all the organ stuff, but forget all the organ stuff. It, it, it's, it, on a Friday night when a bunch of people just like all, those of us gathered here would sing this, it sounds beautiful without, without any instrumentation. Okay? And this was written by um, a, a Russian um, composer and, and prayer leader named Eliezer Mordechai ben Isaac Gurevich. No one knows that. Um, and um, 
he had a little bit of a Hasidic background, but this melody is, is found in modern Judaism, okay? Now, now I'm going to tell you something that no one knows. You're the only people who know this in Brookside today. Um, there was um, um, an Italian Jewish composer. His name was Solomon Rossi. Um, he lived in the 16th century. Um, he was a late Renaissance composer. Um, live, he was a violinist. He lived during the time of increasing anti-Semitism. Um, but he was given permission um, by the Italian, rab, Italian author, religious authorities to create polyphonic music. And, um, and this is, this is no, one, no one sings this, but this would be, if you sing this, I'll come to your church. <laughs> no, but this, this, is, this is beautiful stuff. Listen to this. This is too good for, for most people. Okay. Don't quote me on any things, <laughs> all these things I'm telling you. Okay. Is this being recorded? Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you going to send it like first uh, um, to my president of my synagogue? No, I don't want that. Stop it. Stop it. is that this, um, again, um, politics and religion were, were a big issue here. Um, what kind of, this person, this person was allowed, for whatever reason, to, to, to create secular music. Um, and Jews weren't necessarily involved in creating secular music. Um, most of their creativity went into Jewish, Jewish music because that was the venue that they could, that, uh, under which they could create. We, we, look, we take for granted, I mean, 20th century American music is all Jewish people. Uh, no, really. I mean, no, seriously. I mean, it, it, it's, it, but but, but we're, that's the beauty of living in a secular culture, but that's the tragedy of living in a secular culture because that creativity doesn't go into the, the, into, into the religious music. I mean, that's how I look at it. Um, let me let me let me just throw this in because you seem like nice people. This is just this is an example of what happens in all synagogues. It, what happens in all religions in modern time? Okay. Okay. Listen. No. Now, do you like do you like this or not like it? Adon Olam Asher Malak Now a lot of, a lot of cantors, they think this is creative. No, no, there's nothing wrong with it. This is called contrafaction. You borrow from the culture. 
What do you think? I'm not against it. Okay, okay, no, it's good. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to hear it every week. Okay, now I'm going to give you um, a Sephardic, um, a Sephardic, a, a, a Spanish-Portuguese version of Adonalam, but done by a modern cantor, okay? But listen, you'll, 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 I think you'll, you'll get something out of this. fascinating you have again these different religious experiences um, coming together now there's one other thing that there's one thing I didn't t teach you or bring to your attention which I want to do right now and then I want to spend the remaining amount of time to do some stuff with um, the high holidays okay so you'll hear a little difference are, are you getting what you want out of this yes. okay 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 I don't know I, I don't I, I don't want to be told you missed the mark um, okay. Well, you seem to be getting something. Yeah. <laughs> but you know something? Oh. I can't do What am I doing with this? You know something? I, see, you, when I give a sermon, I, the only person I care about is me. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, I don't think anyone who does it, takes anything seriously ha has to do it to please themselves. Right. If, you're not, if you're trying to please everyone else, you're going to please no one. You've got to start with pleasing yourself. That's why when I think about the service, I think, what do I like? I mean, I don't know what you like. I know what I like. I mean, okay, so let me give you an example. I, yeah, exactly. I wanted to. But you know something? I want, wait, okay, so there is in anyone in the Jewish tradition can get up and lead worship. I don't have any power to do something that someone else can't do. Okay. Um, and when you learn, and every service, depending on whether it's the Sabbath, whether it's one of the festivals, whether it's the high holidays, has a, has a, a certain chant to it. So um, it's not composed music, it, it's, it's, a, it's a mode. Once you know it, you know how to chant it. So let me give you an example. So you invite me up here, it's Friday night at the New Reform Temple. Um, I used to work, work, work in a synagogue in, on, in Orlando, Florida for 12 years, so I would always lead the Friday night services. Not that I had a great voice, but I, I just did. And, but you will hear, the you'll hear it, okay? It'll be da 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 Okay, that's, that's what you're going to hear, okay? So you're going to hear. Umarvir yom umebi la Okay, 
Ubahem nege yomam belayla. Avetchal al tasimi menulamim baruchata adonai. Oheva mo Yisroel. That's a Friday night melody. So, if any of you were, were, were Jewish and you were knowledgeable and you were, say, you were at a, a small traditional conservative or modern Orthodox synagogue, say, oh, Joe, come up and leave Friday Kabbalah Shabbat. So you'd get up and do this. That's the, now, if you were in a Sephardic synagogue, Joe, Joe, go up there, it would be the same liturgy, generally, but a different, a different nusach, a different, a different mode, because it comes from a different religious, historical, geographical experience. I mean, it's interesting. How many people know that there, were, that there was a strong Jewish community in, in Kaifang, China? The Jews of Kaifang. I mean, I mean, who knew this? I mean, it, it, it's it, it, the Jewish people are really interesting. I mean, I mean. I know people, the anti-Semites think the Jews control the world. Trust me, we can't control anything. <laughs> I love it because all the Jews control the world. We can't even control what we have on Friday night dinner for crying out loud. No, but, 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 <laughs> it's true. But, there's, the, 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 going back to your point about the music, the Hebrew, it, it, it weaves us together. I mean, I, I can't tell you. I mean, everywhere I go in the world, obviously, I, I, I'm a rabbi, I go to synagogues. I've never, I, every, I've gone to synagogues all over the world. Um, and I remember I was in Florence, Italy, in, a, in, a, in a, the synagogue in Florence. Um, beautiful synagogue. Um, it happened to be the Nazis used it as a, as a, as a garage during the Holocaust. I mean, it's, it's just, it's incredible. So. I was there, there was no heat, there was no heat. My wife and I are sitting there, it's Saturday morning. They called me up to the Torah to, to say a blessing. I don't know these people, I don't speak Italian, but I know the tradition, I know the Hebrew, I know the, and this was a Sephardic synagogue, which is, which is foreign to me. I knew, I knew enough to be there. That's what keeps us together. I mean, that's what keeps the Jewish people together. People don't know that. I mean, it, 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 it's not about, look, it's a lot, it's, it, I believe culture matters, and in in our religious culture weaves us together. I don't care what religion you are. It's the, the, and the music is part of that religious culture. Unfortunately, um, we've dumbed it down, and I, that's what bothers me. Okay, so let me, let, let's see what else. Uh, let's, go, let's go to the High Holidays for a second. I don't want you to think I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't prepare. I, I just wanted to make a, a comment. Sure. Uh, you're... Your Yemeni piece there sounded very, very Middle Eastern. And the reason what I love about Middle Eastern music is that the beat is always like a horse galloping. It's almost, you can just hear the horse in the galloping of it. And that Yemeni piece was a perfect you know, example. You know what I also like about it? See, the, see I'm, being, I'm not being cute. The Yemenites are the original Jews. In other words, if you want to talk about ge geographically and historically, the Yemenites were uh, the closest to the original tradition. I mean, look, the, the Jews were, were, were Middle Eastern people, and the Yemenites um, have probably the most original tradition, and that tradition is Arabic. Um, the Hebrew pronunciation is, is, very, um, is very Arabic, 
or it, I don't know, it's hard to describe it, but they, they, that, the, the Yemenites spoke Arabic. I mean, the Yemenites, I mean, they spoke Judeo-Arabic to a certain extent. Um, um, but what, what, I, what I'm arguing is you, we all, that has to be part of what we think is authentic, too. Or, 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 or it's, just, it's, it's the same thing with Amer what's happening in our country. We have, we're, we're having this battle about what's authentic. There's a lot of things that are authentic. We always claim that what we have is authentic, but our neighbor, what he has, is, isn't authentic. No, that we're both authentic. And we've we got to start getting off our, the idea that what we have has to be, is the one that's authentic. Um, um, it's, it's, again, the and, other. And, and, but let me tell you, but there's, if I walked into, if in Israel you can do anything you want because there's, there's synagogues everywhere. If I walked into a Yemenite synagogue as an Eastern European Jew, looking like the way I do, it's interesting what would happen. I mean, they wouldn't kick me out, but they say, what is this guy doing here? <laughs> I mean, it, I, it would be great anthropology what would happen. You know something? I'll tell you what would happen. Um, uh, uh, let me, can I just tell you something that's nothing to do with music, but it's really interesting? <clears throat> um, but it's, it'll, it'll, make your, it'll make my point. Uh, my daughter, Liara, is a rabbi. She, she, moved, she, lived in she moved to Israel when she was 18. Um, she went to college in Israel. Um, she worked for LL Airlines. She taught in the Israeli school system. Um, she went to rabbinical school in Israel. She was ordained two years ago in November, two years ago last November. Um, and, um, but she made a decision, and she lived through, um, you know, she has three young children. Um, my, my son-in-law is a, um, a wonderful guy as well. And they did, she, she, she decided to move to the United States after many years because she, economically, for the work that she was doing as a non-Orthodox rabbi, she couldn't live in Israel, which is, which is, which is sad. So she's taking a group, um, taking a group, she just took a group of people from her synagogue where she's working to Israel during this, you know, the people are going to see what's going on there and to, it's a, it's a long story. So she's staying in a hotel, and um, she was staying in a hotel in, in, um, in downtown Jerusalem. And um, a lot of the hotels, um, people, Israelis who can't live in the south because of the war and can't live in the north because of the war, they're being put up in hotels. And, um, and so she's staying in these hotels. People are washing their clothes. I mean, they've been displaced for almost a half a year. So it's Friday night. Shabbat dinner has been served. They're, they're in the lobby. She starts talking. She sits down, and the reaper is impeccable. It's the Yemenite family. And they start talking about, about, about their lives, about their children. And then they get into politics. And she, they say, we love, we, they love Bibi Netanyahu. And, and, and Lior says, I hate Bibi Netanyahu. I mean, I mean so, but, 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 but. This is it. It's these different cultures in what she wrote. She wrote beautifully about it. Is that, isn't this what it's about? People who are different coming together? It's not just you and I, Jews and Christians, coming together. It's, it's all of our abilities that come together with our neighbors, even the neighbors who are like us. I mean, maybe, you, maybe you'll even talk to a Protestant once in a while. I mean, <laughs> may, I mean you know, I know a Lutheran. Do you ever talk to a Lutheran? I, I, uh, no, in, in other words, I mean, I know in my community, my kid, my, the kids in my religious school will never have contact with someone from BIAV, the Orthodox synagogue in town. 
What's that about? What is that about? I, mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't like that. I, 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 so, but let's, let me do. I can go four more minutes, can't I? Okay. What if I do five? You're going to throw me out? <laughs> Six? <laughs> because you, li you, li you like, you don't know what's going to come out of my mouth, right? Okay. Now, this is, there's a high holiday melody. And what I, and so if you're sitting in the synagogue and you don't have a prayer book, you don't even know what day it is, you're sitting there, you'll immediately know it's Rosh Hashanah because of this. Okay? Okay, um, a very, uh, a very important phrase. In no, no, no. no you, 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 enough already. Okay, so so zochreinu lechayim is a, is a phrase. It's it means remember us to life, and the theme of Rosh Hashanah is zochreinu, um, that God will remember us. Okay, and. So let me play. Let me play for you how that the theme that you would hear in a, in a synagogue. Um, it's really kind of nice. I'm really proud of myself. That play, I, I never made a, a Spotify playlist in my life, but I learned to do it for you guys. You should feel guilty. What you made me do? No. Yeah. Psalm 150 um, is um, is major for in 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 in, um, in all re religious traditions. We chant it every day in our in our in our synagogue in our synagogue liturgy. But um, hold on a second. This is, our, this is our high holiday prayer book. Mm. So usually, um, we we often we start our service with this, and um, it's Lewandowski. This is this is high This is like the best high holiday I could get, stuff I could give you. This is Lewandowski's setting for Psalm 150. This mid 19th century German 
um, brilliant composer who really created modern synagogue music for Eastern European Jews. <coughs> for, for European Jews. Listen to this. I love this. Stop it. I'm, you're, you're making me talk to my computer. <laughs> That's not good. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, we're going to do We're going to do this. We're going to do it. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, here we go. Lewandowski, Psalm 150, can't beat that. He, it, I think Lewandowski did settings for all of the psalms. I mean, he's a genius. Wouldn't you like to be a genius? Is there any geniuses here? I love these geniuses. Wouldn't it be great to be a genius? I mean, people like Lewandowski. What do these people do? How do these people do this? I can barely, I can barely. Okay. Okay. You're, I'm, I'm not a genius, so this is good. So. So let me give you one more thing, and I'll stop. On Friday night, um, before the beginning of, of, of Friday night, there's something called um, Kabbalat Shabbat. It's receiving the Sabbath. And, and there is a, there is a, a prayer called L'Chad Dodi. It's the imagery of the Sabbath as the bride and how we Jews welcome in the Sabbath bride. And, and, and traditionally, um, at the end of Shalom Aleich, uh, at the end of Lechadudi, you literally stand up, turn to the back, the doors are open, you symbolically welcome in the bride. And it, it, it goes to the tradition of the Jews who lived in Sfat in, in northern Israel, who were, the, who were Kabbalists, the mystics, who literally dressed in white, went to the hills, and as the sun set, they welcomed in, they welcomed in the spirit of the Sabbath. So Lachado D is big, okay? Let's listen to. Who do you want to hear? Let's hear. Yeah, let's hear Lewandowski. You know, like, we like Lewandowski. <laughs> Let, let's do it. You know, why should we? This is what I. the mystics of the northern part of Israel in, it's, I don't know if it does, 
But let me, so let me give you something that, that's totally different, okay? And tell me if you like this better. Let me, let me see if you, if you like this. This is, eh, let's see what this is. We do, we sing this. This is more Sephardic. We sing this. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 the, you, it's the welcoming. We, so this is nice. It's, it, it's, it's softer. Uh, the problem of Adopsky is sometimes the music overwhelms the religious experience. So you're, you're more... That's the problem with high church, high church religion. That music is overwhelmed. You. It, it, you, know, it, you know, I love the organ. I love it. But, but sometimes it doesn't work. No, I'm, I'm probably saying things that are, that are forbidden to say. Um, okay, so um, I've given you just a little taste of things, but I just want to summarize some of the things so you'll remember what I've talked about. Um, number one is um, chanting um, was part of the experience starting with the chanting of the Torah. And in different communities, um, they're different, they're different chanting traditions. I wish I could get a Yemenite um, chanter because you'd say, oh my God, this is amazing. I knew, I have a friend who was um, part of the, the, the um, Syrian Jewish community in Brooklyn. Um, he used to ch I, I went to Cornell and he used to chant um, on, on Shabbat morning and it was unbelievable. I still don't understand how he did it. Um, it was just some... Uh, it was just from an, a really an other, another world. So the first thing we need to know is that the, the chanting of, the he, of, of, of Scripture was really the beginning of the musical tradition of Judaism. Number two is that the temple, there was definitely music. There definitely was instrumentation. But after the destruction of the temple, that stopped, and a, a whole new kind of Judaism had to develop, which was synagogue-based, based on a set liturgy um, that was done three times a day. And the liturgy was set, but different Jewish communities, because of their own historical experiences, developed very different musical traditions. Same liturgy, um, generally. A Sephardic and Ashkenazic traditions, very similar, not identical, but, but for all intents and purposes the same. But because of the musical experience, different languages, whatever, they create very different musical experiences. And in Jewish tradition, you have at least the Eastern European, Central European tradition, which I'm kind of part of. Um, you have the Eastern Safar uh, Moroccan, Iraqi, uh, um, Iranian tradition, Ammonite tradition. And you also have the Sephardic tradition, this Western Europe, uh, Spanish, Portuguese tradition, Italy sometimes included in that. And um, all these different communities created different, different kind of musical experiences. These, the music, interestingly, is usually not um, this kind of music in terms of um, symphonic or choir music, it's usually just chanted by the community itself who know the melodies and sing along with it. Although there is a, a very strong tradition of, the, of what's called the chazan. The chazan is the person designated in the Jewish community to be the shlech zibur, the leader of the community. Um, <clears throat> more instrumental music is a complex question in, in Judaism. It's seen as accepted 
in, in Reform Judaism today, the idea is how do you do a service without music, without instrumentation? But that, they're kind of the oddball out. I mean, and the fact is, the fact is in Jewish history, um, most music, um, most worship was without instrumentation. But the one area where it was okay to do it was on Friday night, before the beginning of the Sabbath, L'chad Dodi, the prayer we just chanted, and other things could be done with instruments because the Sabbath hadn't already begun. But generally, um, in the overwhelming majority of, of, of Judaism, um, you don't have instrumental music on the Sabbath. You don't have instrumental music on, on the high holidays. Um, but choir was, was always involved, but it, would be, it wouldn't be a company. And... Um, Jewish music is still evolving. Let me just end, and I'll then be quiet. We can leave. Um, with with, with um, a very interesting woman. She died, unfortunately, maybe a, a decade or so ago. Whose name is Debbie Friedman, who came, up at, came out of the Jewish camping movement. She, in the 1960s, she started a revolution um, where she kind of re, she kind of took all the traditional music and in, in kind of changed it and made it um, almost folk music, but I if you come to our synagogue, it very much influenced who we are. But let me give you her first, um, her first piece. I think it's, I think she's, it's derived from Psalm 96. Listen to this. Totally, totally different, but she's amazing. Listen. This is her first song. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Okay, so let's, let's only hear from the beginning. That's where they sing in Jewish summer camps. Sing unto God, sing a new song. Oh, sing praises to God. She wrote it in English God with a song. To, to reform oh, Jewish kids who didn't know a lot of Hebrew. Of she started a revolution. In the one, all you she was a brilliant lady. Oh, and if you go Lord. into the reform movement, her music, both in Hebrew and English, is everywhere. And a lot of the traditionalists, like me, say, what is she doing here? You know what? She's probably saving Judaism. Don't, you shouldn't listen to old people like me. So thank you for letting me share about an hour of this music with you. Okay? Okay? Um, uh, so I, I'm done. If you want to ask me questions, you can. You want to go home, you can. It doesn't matter. John, I think we should send one of our acolytes over to the, uh, the rabbi on Monday to learn how to blow the shofar. You <laughs> <laughs> might, might, might want to send a priest. <laughs> well, it's interesting. The show, wait, wait, it's interesting. And so I'll tell you a really interesting thing about the shofar. Is that Rosh Hashanah is... Yeah. 